You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Graham and Don A and their son Tristan were part of City Edge Church for a number of years. I can't remember exactly how many it was, but pardon? about two odd years. Two odd years and part of our home group as well, and uh, great friends of ours. Um, Don A and Tristan, would you like to just give people a wave so they know who you are? Um, and they left a couple of years ago to find a church that was a bit closer to where they live, and uh, as it says, I think in First John, they went out from us because they were not of us. <laughs> I only joke. <laughs> He's a great man of God. And uh, at the home group, he always used to come up with some really uh, deep and some challenging stuff. And I know his heart is for God. His, they still have a heart for City Edge Church. I know that, even though they're not part of us. And it's a great privilege to have him with us this morning, and Don A and Tristan as well, and uh, to be able to catch up and encourage you, those who know him, catch up and uh, say hello later on and uh, have a bit of a chat. If you don't know him, introduce yourself to them, because they're a lovely couple. And... Um, Let's pray for him, shall we? Father, we thank you for the word that you put on Graham's heart for us this morning. Lord, we believe it's a word in season. We open our hearts to hear your Holy Spirit speak to us through your word and through Graham's message this morning. Father, we thank you that we have uh, people that have our back even when they're not a part of us here in this building, Lord but they still care for us, they still pray for us, they still keep in touch. We thank you for people like that, Lord, that remind us that the family of God is a lot bigger than, than what gathers just in this room and that we have family all around the world. So, Father, I thank you for Graham and I look forward to his message and I pray, Holy Spirit, that you will speak to us through it. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Thanks, Ian. It's, uh, it's great to be back with seeing all the familiar faces and that again. It's uh, good to be amongst friends. It always makes it a little bit easier when you're having to, to talk to a crowd and uh, you see lots of friendly smiling faces over there and uh, no doubt there'll be a bit of heckling as we go along as well because I think most of the guys uh, know us well enough to be able to charm in and do that as well. Um, I've entitled the, uh, this morning's sermon, I don't know if you've got the slides there, um, but in terms of praying about what is the word that God has for City Edge for today. Um, the word that God gave me was all about for such a time as this was what he gave to us. Um, and I'm going to share with you just a little bit about that. But just before I do, I just want us to pray um, for a few seconds. Father God, we just praise and thank you for your awesome might, your awesome power, and for your amazing love for each and every one of us sitting here today. Father, I just pray that we speak light into the darkness here this morning, Father, for those that find themselves in darkness. We pray healing into the lives of those that are struggling with illness or other mental challenges and difficulties right now, Father God. And Father, we pray for hope um, that you would just speak into each and every one of our lives. It's your desire that we will not walk from this place the same way we entered it this morning. We thank you for your presence and your hope in this room today. Amen. So, uh, yeah, we can just flick to the first slide there. Now, you've got to use a bit of imagination because you're probably struggling to make out what the two pictures are that I've got slapped up on there on the slide. 
I'm a visual thinker, so I figured I'd use a bit of a, a PowerPoint deck for all the visual thinkers out there that kind of enjoy that sort of thing and helps them focus and make some notes. Um, the, the two pictures that you've got there, the one is the fuselage of a military plane and you've got a bunch of, let's call them Delta Marines or something, all queued up in the back there, ready to jump out, right? All kitted out. And the other one is the one that we're all familiar with. Nobody, of course, watches or would admit to watching, right? Saliva, I mean survivor. Um, and I guess the, what struck me with these two pictures is one of, on one side, so let's pretend we're heading off to an island, right? There's this forested island, and the Marines, all kitted out, all jump out together, and they head down into the forest below them. Contrast that with Survivor. There's a boat that's just gone down. You've got a handful of possessions and things with you, and you find yourself on an island. Two very different scenarios in terms of mental mindset, right? Okay. What differentiates the Marines from the survivors? Yep. They're prepared. There's teamwork involved there as well. Okay. And they're there for a specific mission. They're there to accomplish something specifically on that island. Survivors... Take the TV program out of the equation for a second here. We're not talking about 500,000 bucks or something like that. Survivors is all about, let me just make it to the next day. Let me just keep looking and watching the horizon, hoping that somebody will step in and rescue me. And the picture that God gave me is, there's so many of us sitting here this morning, surviving. Every single day is just about surviving. It's about, I just need to get to the next day. I just need to get through this meeting. Um, I just need to get through this family catch-up, because maybe you've got a difficult family situation that you're dealing with. And that was never God's intention for you. God never intended for you to simply exist as a survivor. And we're going to go through that this morning in terms of what God's intent is for you and how we're going to walk in that. How are you going to walk out of this place differently this morning to what you came in? And um, I want to encourage you in terms of the power of God and what he is, is capable of doing. So you may be sitting here this morning and saying, I've been stuck in this situation for so long, it doesn't look like it's going to change anytime soon. Um, just to, in terms of, um, so just to bring greetings from Compass Church down in East Bentley where we stay. Um, we had a ministry weekend probably about two or three weekends ago, and um, one of the ladies that is there with us, um, she used to do rowing, and um, she had an injury from rowing and had to have an operation on her back, minor operation, one of these little keyhole surgery. It went horribly wrong, and she was paralyzed and wound up being um, stuck in a wheelchair for about the last six years. Right? Now... Progressively over time, there was some healing that took place. And so on occasion, she could actually get out of her wheelchair, but it was in extreme pain and having to get around on crutches. Following the ministry weekend, so the ministry session was on the Saturday. Sunday morning, she climbed the stairs and walked into church and worshipped with us. And the last week or two, she's actually been up on the Gold Coast, swimming, climbing, 
Um, and she's just, Donna was chatting to her earlier this week, and she's just booked herself a round-the-world plane ticket, and uh, she's going, do you get the power of God? I think we've forgotten just how powerful God actually is and how he is able to reach into each and every one of our situations. So what I want to do, if we can just flick over to the next slide there. How things change. First part of this is about destiny. Now, when we talk about destiny, I'm not talking about the great commission that, we will, that God gives us. So in, in the book of Matthew, in, just before Jesus ascends, he gives the great commission to the believers in terms of what he wants them to do. You know, go into the world, make disciples and so forth. I'm not talking about that when I talk about destiny over here. I'm also not talking about, those of you might be familiar with the concept of spiritual gifts. Those are unique gifts, for example, that God gives to each and every one of us to actually use to develop and grow folk in the kingdom. I'm not talking about that either. I'm talking about the unique passion that God has placed in every single one of our hearts. There's something that when you're doing it, something that you, when you think about it, gets you going, right? And you just know that's your sweet spot. That's what you hunger and long to do. That's where you want to be able to reach out. That's where you want to be able to serve. It's something that makes you come alive. And some of you, you go to work, and that is not what makes you come alive, right? Okay. Destiny is what enables you to see the hope Destiny is what enables you to actually still live out your passion even in the midst of the situation that you find yourself in for such a time as this. Um, I want you to, I'm just going to, to read the, the scripture is up there on the, on the screen. Psalm 139, 13 to 16 says, You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. You made all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. Guess what? And there may be some of you sitting here today that actually don't have a relationship with God. It doesn't matter whether you have a relationship with God. This word tells us that everybody has destiny on their life. God has placed destiny in the hearts of everyone. The difference comes in in terms of when you choose to live out that destiny. When you make that commitment to actually... Allow God to take control of your life. That's when you actually start living out that destiny. That's when it starts coming to the forefront. But it's important to realize and for you to speak life into those that you come into contact with, even if they're not Christians, guess what? The Bible tells us over here that God has destiny upon their lives as well. It's whether they choose to live it out or not. If we go to the the reading from Jeremiah, it says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. There's that transition that winds up happening when we give our lives to the Lord. And in 1 Peter 2, verse 9 and 10 says, But you are not like that, for you are a chosen people, you are royal priests, a holy nation, God's very own possession. Just... Just stop there for a second and just take that in. Okay. 
Is, is that kind of the way you see yourself? Uh, allow the Holy Spirit just to let that sink in in terms of how God sees you, how he's made you. As a result, you can show others the goodness of God, for he called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you had no identity as a people, now you are God's people. Once you received no mercy, now you have received God's mercy. And we've received all of that so that we can step into and start living out that passion. But destiny is one thing, right? So I know there's this thing that really makes me come alive and I love doing that and that's where my heart is. So what, right? You're not living it out until you actually put it into action. So the next step, one is, so step number one is actually get a grasp of the fact of, that God has a destiny for you. Second of all is having the faith to actually step into that destiny. It's a very different thing, right? You can say what you like in terms of what you believe, but until you actually have to act on that, it means nothing. It's not faith. Right? So what we need is not only the destiny, but we also need the faith to be able to step out in that. Because God's going to be asking you to do things. He's going to be asking you to speak to, into the lives of people. And it's going to require faith. So what builds that faith? Revelation of the nature of our God. First and foremost is getting to the point of salvation where we actually acknowledge who God is and our need of him. So that's the starting point, right? But in addition to that, it's about progressively learning to understand the nature and the character of God. Who is it in whom you've actually placed your trust? And what is he capable of doing? The more time you spend in his word, the more time you spend with other Christians, you get to learn more and more about his nature. And the more you get to know that, the more you realize he's somebody that can be trusted. He's somebody that if you're going to jump over a building and you're going to need somebody to hold your hand while you're doing that, you know he's the one that's never going to drop you. He's always got you in the palm of his hand. Um, there's an interesting one here. Um, I was listening to a podcast during the course of the week, and um, they, were, they were talking about the, uh, the Israelites. So they arrive at the promised land, well, on the verge of that, and they send out some spies to go spy out the promised land. And there's about ten spies that head on out. And there's... Big majority of them come back and they go, fantastic spot, but oh my word, the guys that hang out there, they are massive. They are absolutely going to demolish us. You know, we, we just, we shouldn't be going there. And then you get Joshua and Caleb, the other two spies that come back and they go, this place is absolutely awesome. And yes, there are these people, but we can take the land. What gave them the confidence to be able to do that? was the revelation that they had of who God is and what he's capable of doing. And, more importantly, his promises. If you go back before that, God had said, I will give you the land. So to go into a place and still doubt after God said, that's yours. And I think for so many of us, God has said, that's yours. But what's your view of that? It's too hard. The people are too difficult. The, the situation is, I can't afford that. I, 
There's lots of excuses that we can come up with, but understand and look at who it is that's made that promise over your life. When he gave that promise to the Israelites, did he say you wouldn't have to struggle and battle for that? No. So don't be naive about this and think that, oh, you know, we just magically cruise in and God just clears the way. It's magic. Fantastic. No. They saw, they believed the promise that God had gave them and they stepped into that promise. They stepped out in faith. And even going into those struggles, they knew that God would give them the victory in those struggles. <clears throat> There's also the uh, the section of, about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Um, first of all, wrap your lips around that, Sonny. Um, fun names, really contemporary names, right? Have you thought of? Yeah. Um, so the next kid. There's some options for you, right? Um, but it's interesting to note that, that that wasn't actually their names. Okay. They were Israelites that God raised up and put in place within Babylon as officials within the king's um, office. Okay. So already you see God's hand on here. There's, there's destiny at play and where God chooses to place them. But the thing I love about them most is their faith. Now, uh, I'm not up there with their level of faith, right? Because it gets to the point where somebody decides it's a cunning plan to make everybody, let's make a statue to the king and everybody has to bow down to the king. Hmm. So everybody's doing that. These three shape up and go, nah, we don't believe that that's right. We're not there to serve this idol. We will not do it. And, of course, that ticks the king off rather badly. And he decides, uh, well, let's rev up the furnace and we're going to nuke these guys. Right? I mean... He's so angry, so there's a correlation between his level of anger and the temperature in the furnace, right? Because there's the normal furnace temperature over here. And he goes, "Mm mm-mm, jazz it up some more, jazz it up some more. To the extent that the poor bloke who's actually got to stoke that puppy, he's killed because it's so hot, right? This is before they even get in there. But the amazing thing here is in terms of their faith, it's absolute, even though God maybe hasn't done anything specifically in their lives, when they respond to the king, their response is, we will not bow down to that. We worship our own God, right? And our God will save us. But even if he doesn't, we still will not bow down to that. And it's an amazing faith to be able to step out in the midst of that. And I don't know what you're facing, maybe in your work or your home situation right now. Um, maybe you're being oppressed in some shape or form, whether it's by virtue of a relationship that's particularly taxing. It could be work. So maybe it's that difficult micromanaging boss, Anna, that uh, maybe there's the, the oppression there. But understand and step in knowing who it is and have the faith to move on that. Philippians 1 verse 6 says, I am certain, not I think he can, I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day of Christ's return. Did you notice there, it's not a once-off job? This is a, a lifetime work that God has assigned to each of us. Our destiny is our lifetime's work while we're here. Yeah? So don't think it's, I'm, I'm just on a mission, it's one job. I'm going into that forest, and that's it. 
my work's done. God has intended that destiny is for a lifetime. Your work for him is a lifetime. So we understand there's destiny over our lives. We understand that there is a need to step out in faith, trusting and knowing who it is in whom we have believed. The next step in the equation is God's positioning of you. Now, I put that picture there for a reason. I think most of us here are probably old enough to actually get this, right? So let's, let's travel back in time here. The joy of setting up TV aerials, right? And you're having, invariably, poor dad got the, uh, the short end of the straw. He'd have to go up on the roof, and he's busy angling the aerial to try and get the best signal for down in the house. And invariably the family are going, yes, yes, stop there, that's perfect, that's the picture. And dad's hanging halfway off the roof, he's maybe lost his footing and he's about to fall over. But that's good, the picture's good, stop there. God sometimes uses us a bit like that as well. There's often circumstances that are particularly uncomfortable for us. But in taking up those positions, it throws light, it provides a clear picture to other people that are waiting to receive that signal further down the track. Um, I quite, if you look at, so let's talk about this and some examples for a few seconds. So you take Joseph. Look, he, he probably wasn't necessarily the smartest tool in the shed in some ways, right? So uh, family and people generally aren't overly receptive to people saying, hey, I'm going to be a rock star and you guys are going to come to my concert. I'm just using a bit of ad lib here. Um, no, his dream was that one day his brothers and his family would come and bow down to him. So there's destiny playing out, right? God shows him his destiny. And, yeah, and then his brothers proceed to, well, we're going to kill him, decide to throw him in a pit, then they flog him off as a slave. The amazing part is God's positioning of Joseph. So he winds up, in a position being sold off to Potiphar, who was one of the officials. And in that situation, he could have, so many of us would just sit back and go, woe is me, look at this, I've been beaten, I've been sold into slavery, now I'm sitting over here. There's a specific reason why you are where you are right now. And for Joseph... He honored the Lord in everything he did while he worked for Potiphar, and God lifted him up. God, Potiphar's household was blessed, and ultimately Potiphar recognized that his blessing came from having Joseph in his house. Wherever you go, you take the favor of God with you. To your work situation, to the school, wherever it is, God's blessing and his hand is upon you. And he goes from there... And you're thinking, oh, that's not so bad, right? So now he's been promoted to look after the house. Sweet. No. Because the next thing, he's been chucked in jail, accused of rape. Okay. This is not. And once again, it's where God places him and the two people he places him with. Okay. And it's one of those that ultimately recognizes when the situation arises with the king and he needs somebody to interpret dreams. He goes, hang on a second, there's this guy called Joseph that when I was in prison, he could actually interpret dreams. Go get him. And so 
there are circumstances you find yourself in you don't see how this could possibly turn out well. And yet, there's people that you interact with that will potentially lift you up one day and put you into a different position. Okay? And through that, he ultimately winds up in the court with Pharaoh and winds up heading up most of the kingdom of Egypt. And to think, if he'd given up when he was sold into slavery, if he'd gone and looked at, woe is my situation, woe is it, he would have never got to live out his destiny, right? And his destiny, his destiny ultimately wound up saving not only the Israelites um, and the Egyptians where he was, um, but it also ends up restoring his relationship with his brothers and that as well. And I believe God sowed into their lives and built faith into their lives in terms of what he's able to do. Let's talk about each of us for a second here. So, uh, my Donna fondly refers to the fact that I'm fun employed at the moment. Okay, so uh, I'm between gigs. Um, but that being said, one of the newfound appreciations I have is for stay-at-home mums. Woohoo! Uh, fun gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, not so much. But it, it's amazing that God's positioning. Have you ever wondered why He always has you talking to? the same mums at the school? Have you ever wondered why your kids have those kids as their friends? It's God's design in terms of why you are where you are. In business, there's some people, um, Christians that have been elevated into senior positions and that within their organisations. Why? Because they are the only ones that will ever bring God into the lives of certain executives. Those executives may never darken the doorway of a church or anything vaguely like that, and yet God has raised up Christian businessmen and women to be in a position where they can actually minister to each and every one of those folk as well. And even taking take a cleaning business, for example, there's a, you might be in the nature of your work, it takes you and you go, Graham, hang on a second, right? I go to office blocks to clean these office blocks, and there's nobody there. Who am I supposed to be ministering to? Yeah. Short of people looking at me and thinking I'm mildly insane because I'm talking just generally to nobody. No. The opportunity to actually walk through that place, to pray over the place, to pray over every single seat in that office and the people that will sit in that office you have the potential to change lives. You don't necessarily need to be speaking the words directly to those individuals. We seem to think that it's our job to get people to know God. Our job is to create the environment where they can, where they can choose to. Our job is, we're not responsible for their salvation per se. We're responsible for bringing the news to them and then allowing them to make the decision for themselves. So we now understand that we have destiny. There's faith in stepping out of that. And then there's about responding. We've got the positioning, and then it's about how do you respond in obedience. Now, use the word responding in obedience for a reason. Because you can respond, but not necessarily in obedience. Right? And I love there's so many characters in the Bible that are like me. Oh, but Lord, yeah, yeah. 
you got Moses. Oh, I'm not a very good speaker. I can't talk properly. You know, I can't go and talk to these people. There's tons of excuses. You go and look at somebody like Jonah. He goes, oh, no, Lord, you must have the wrong person. You, you want me to go to that spot where it's the, it's the biggest bikey club in the neighborhood? Um, no. Um, we're great at making excuses, right? But it is God who equips us to do the work that needs to be done. It's God who places the words in our mouths. Have you ever had those moments where you say something and somebody comes up and they go, that was just like so profound and it was, it was really for me, it really touched my life. And you're going, um, did I say that? You've got no idea you even said that to that person necessarily. And yet it drops into their hearts at just the right time with just the right things. It's not about your words. It's about God putting the words there and honoring the actions that you have. Um, just read with me over here. So Acts 20:24 20, says, But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. Do you get what you're supposed to be doing? Yeah? It's only when we're obedient and we step into doing that which he's called us to do that we'll be truly fulfilled. There's a number of us sitting here today that if I had to ask you, what does your fulfillment scale look like? Yeah? We've got to get out of that survivor mentality it's got to be about destiny that actually lifts and transforms our day to day and one of the points that I just noted over here for you as well is you need to stay close to God's heart when you're close to God's heart you'll hear and you'll feel his heartbeat and then obedience becomes a natural response have you ever been somewhere where you've seen somebody or you've seen a situation and just your whole heart cries out and is broken for that situation, for that person. Have you ever had that before? That's God's heartbeat. But you've got to make time for it. You've got to draw close to God to be able to hear his heartbeat. Are you making the time? Obedience is going to be very difficult. If you take our, you remember our marines on the plane? And they jump down into the forest. If they've got no comms, so you've got all these teams going out but their comms go out and they can't speak to each other and headquarters can't talk to them and tell them, hang on, the mission has changed they're not going to be very effective, are they? Same with us for us to be obedient what drives that obedience is that desire, that passion within our hearts and knowing what God's calling you to do knowing what he feels about that person that you work with. When you, when you start looking at your work colleagues and taking the time to listen to their situations and what have you, all of a sudden, do, 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 do. you start hearing God's heartbeat for that person. And it changes everything. And the question that I want to put to you there is, do we position ourselves to listen? I'll sometimes have the chat with Tristan, in terms of the whole concept of hearing and listening, right? There's a difference between hearing, uh-huh, 
and I can say it back to you verbatim, exactly what you've just said to me. But true listening is where you hear that and there's action that follows off the back of it. Let's listen for God's heartbeat because that will drive action. If we can flip across to the next slide. It's all for nothing, though, if the presence of God is not in the midst of whatever you're doing. If you don't bring him along with you into those conversations, if you don't bring him along into the workplace with you, there is no power and there will be no change in anybody's lives in that workplace unless you take the presence of God with you. So, the, uh, for those of you who, some of you might remember the story of Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So there's, there's this big showdown in terms of whose God's better than whose going on, right? And um, so you get the prophets of Baal, they, they basically take a bet, right? This is Australia, though, with all the betting that goes on. But anyway, I'll use the analogy. And, and So Elijah says to these guys, I'll tell you what, we'll decide whose God's best here. We're going to build this altar, we're going to put a sacrifice on top of this altar, and... You call on your God, I'm going to call on my God, and we'll see who shows up and does the business. And they even wind up doing a little moat around the sacrifice, filling that with water, trying to make it a little bit more difficult and so forth. Anyway, so the rock star prophets of Baal, these guys are going ape, right? They're doing all the stuff that normally works for them, nothing. And they start cutting themselves and... Yeah, they used to do really weird stuff. Right? And they're cutting themselves, and they're crying out, and blah, 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 blah. Nothing. Okay. Now, I admire Elijah, right? He gets what his God's like, right? He shows up and he says, are you boys quite finished? You, 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 is that the best that you can do? Thanks for playing. Right, my turn. Uh, this is too easy. How about we get a whole bunch of water, and we douse the whole thing in water as well? Let's make it a real challenge this time. And he calls on God, and God sends flame down and completely consumes the sacrifice and the altar and all the water that was in the the moat around that. He got the power of God. He got and he trusted in what God could do in that situation. He knew he couldn't do it on his own, but he knew the power of God was with him. And it was a power that he could call on in that situation. It wasn't for his edification. He didn't get the glory. God got the glory. Because following on from that, the decree went out that they would serve the God of Elijah. So, massive impact on people's lives. So, let me just read for you from Jeremiah over here. Jeremiah 1, 6 to 10. It says, O sovereign Lord, I said, and here we go, right? I can't speak for you. I'm too young. The Lord replied, Don't say I am too young, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people. Now, I'm going to stop here for a second, because one of the things I love about God is he gets what's going on in our minds, right? So, is, is, is this really about I can't speak or I'm too young? Is that really the argument? God sees straight through that and he goes, don't be afraid of the people. That was 
That was the underlying thing, right? So he cuts to the chase. Don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you, and I will protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then the Lord reached out and touched my mouth and said, Look, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up against nations and kingdoms. Some you must uproot and tear down, destroy and overthrow, and others you must build up and plant. God's words. His appointment. He's appointed you. There's a specific role that he's got for you. Exodus 4, verse 1 to 4, Then Moses answered, What if they refuse to believe me or listen to my voice? For they may say, The Lord has not appeared to you. And the Lord asked him, What is that in your hand? So here's Moses, right? He's having this chat with God. God's and he's whining and complaining and God's asking him to do stuff and he's still complaining about the fact that he's not really up for the job. And then part of that conversation is God saying, what's that in your hand, Moses? You can imagine Moses. Duh, it's a staff. Not tricky, right? Here it is, it's a staff. And what you need to realize is you sometimes stand before God And God says to you, what have you got in your hand? And you go, Lord, it's it's just me helping out with a coffee stand. It's a coffee stand, Lord. Yeah? What's in your hand? Coffee machine. And you look at Moses' example. God tells him, take that staff, throw it down on the ground. He throws the staff down on the ground. It turns into a snake. It's that same staff that Moses would use with the plagues. It's the same staff that he would use and water would come out of a rock. It's the same staff that was used in parting the sea. What is in your hand? What have you got that you don't think has got a lot of value, but in God's hand and with God's power? can do amazing things, change lives. I, uh, I was commending um, our barista back at our, our church down in East Bentley the other day. So we were milling about after church, and everybody's chatting to each other as they do, right? Uh, not being particularly observant to the visitors and things like that. And this fellow walked in, and you could see he was really down in his luck and what have you. And out of the corner of my eye, I watched as Tutu, Tutu is the guy who was manning the coffee stand. I watched him move out from behind the coffee stand and specifically go and chat with this guy. And I gave him coffee and that as well. But I believe that day he spoke more into that fellow's life just by reaching out with the little thing that he did. He heard God's heartbeat when he saw that fellow walk in and he went and was obedient just to go and have a casual conversation. Every conversation you have doesn't have to be about salvation and all this big heavy stuff. Sometimes people just need a friend. Sometimes they just need somebody to listen to. And in that, they experience God. So just on to the last slide, I'll wrap it up for you because I see your attention spans waning over here. If your attention spans anything like mine. 
So the question I want to ask you is, what's stopping you walking in your God-appointed destiny? Is it the fact that there's a sense of hopelessness? You don't see the destiny that God has on your life. Maybe you need to pray and ask God to give you a fresh revelation of what that destiny is, to reignite that passion within your heart. Maybe it's about the faith, having the faith to actually step out in that. Maybe you don't have the confidence, but you don't have to have the confidence. You've just got to have the God that provides the confidence. What about position? Maybe you need a fresh vision in terms of why you are where you are. Give you a fresh lens on the people that you interact with every day and start seeing them the way God sees them. Ask God to give you a view of them the way he sees them. Maybe for some of you, position is about God saying, it's time for you to move. You need to move on from where you are. That was a little bit of our story in terms of how we moved down the road. We were fellowshipping here. It was great, but we just felt God saying, I want you in the community where you live and ministering in the community where you live. And we had to be obedient to that and head back to East Bentley. And consider whether that's what God is saying to you. Maybe it's a physical location. Um, Maybe it's a work situation or whatever the case may be. Ask yourself the question, is this the position and is God burdening within my heart that I actually need to move on from here? Maybe it's about obedience. Maybe you're really struggling with being able to trust God and be obedient to what he's asking you to do. Maybe we need to ask him to change our hearts and soften our hearts and to learn to trust him more. Maybe it's about the presence of God. Allowing God into those situations, allowing God into those relationships and understanding that nothing of any significance is going to change without the presence of God with you. Whether it's giving you the words, whether it's just giving you a revelation, knowing what to pray for, interceding on other people's behalf, standing in the gap that God's calling you to stand in the gap for. I'm going to pray in a few moments, but what I want to encourage you to do is that as we wrap this up, if there's any of you that want prayer for any of these specific areas, I'm going to ask you to come up and and the leadership and the other folk in the church, we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray that God will move in these different areas if that's what you need prayer for this morning. Maybe for you this morning, maybe you got dragged along here. Maybe you don't know this Jesus. Maybe there's a longing in your heart for this destiny that we've been talking about here. And God's reaching out to you today and says, you are here by destiny today, in this place today. And if you're wanting to commit your life to him and wanting to actually walk in that destiny, today's the day to have that conversation and allow God to move into that. So I'm just going to to pray now and then I'll invite anybody who will probably wrap up after that, you know, unless you've got something else up. Um, Maybe um, somebody from the band can maybe just play a little bit in the background. Um, but if you just pray with me now, and those of you who would like to come up for further prayer, if you want to do that when we finish up, that'll be good. Let's pray.
Father, we just praise and thank you that you have us on your heart. Our names are written on your hand, Father God, and you care for us so much. But more importantly, you care for those around us even more. We've been blessed with knowing your salvation, knowing your touch in our lives. And there's so many people out there that are crying out that need that, that need that touch and that need that relationship with you. And Father, let us be your hands and feet, Father. Let us give us a fresh vision of that destiny that you have placed within each and every one of our hearts. We've each got our own specific destinies which God is calling us to live out. So will we have the boldness to do that? Will we have the faith to step out knowing who he is and what he's capable of doing? Will we recognize the position that he's placed us in and those that he's placed around us? Give us obedience. And above all else as well, Father God, we can do nothing without you. And we pray for your strength. We pray for your presence to go with us. Wherever we find ourselves, your presence goes before us. Let it be your words. Let it be your heartbeat, Father God. So I just commit us, each and every one of us, to you, Father, in your service. And Father, as we, for anybody who's struggling with any of these areas right now, we just pray that would you come forward and we'll pray for you. But for everybody else, we pray for the God's hand of blessing upon you, that you would go from this place with a fresh vision knowing and having a better sense of God's heartbeat and a willingness to walk in that. Amen. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.